with CMD. Won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Cujo. Big dog. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is the second in our Dog Days of Summer, August. Uh, we we did Benji last week, the opposite of Cujo. Yeah. <laughs> we got the extremes, and then we're going uh, doing a little scooby doo. Yeah, the, all three extremes. Yes, exactly. Of dogs, and I will say, definitely dogs day, dog days of summer because it has gotten so Good friggin' hot God. outside. Yeah. Okay, we're we live in California. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- one of the reasons why we live here is because usually there's no humidity. Yeah. But this summer has been it's been like living in Florida without all oh, the madness. So- like yeah. 70 to 90% humidity every yeah. day. And now it's just in the hundreds. And as soon as the humidity went yeah. down, it just it's became triple digits. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, anyway, yes, yes, the dog days of summer. Dog days of summer. <laughs> <laughs> Take yourself back to 1983. Ooh. In June, Mitt Romney takes his family on a trip to Lake Huron. Nice. With his Irish setter, Seamus, riding on top of the car for 12 hours. Not so nice. During the 650-mile trip, Seamus got diarrhea. Wait. Seamus lived? Yeah. Yeah, he, in fact, Mitt Romney purposely put the dog up there because there wasn't room in the car. Whoa. So this wasn't like a, a vacation mistake nope. thing? Like, nope. What a P.O.S. Nope. And the way they finally stopped it is that the dog got diarrhea and Tag, his son, noticed brown stuff coming down the back of the window and he freaked out. Yeah. And so they stopped and pulled the dog inside. No, okay. Was it in a crate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, but course. still, that's bullshit, But no, man. but still, you don't put the dog on top no. and drive for 12 hours. God, what a sociopath. Crazy. Ugh. Ugh. Goes with everything I always say. Never trust a Mormon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, the McNugget was born. Yes. Uh, that's a, that's how everybody loves that. Oh, my God. Every yeah. child. Can you imagine parents in a world without nuggies, oh, man? God. Yeah, no. It would be terrible. That's what Terrible. it was like. There were no nugs. Before that. You know, when the 70s Just, were an awful time. Yes, that's why we were such <laughs> unhappy children. We didn't have nugs. i got to be honest. I'm not a big fan of the McNugget. I never have been. I like uh, them. I never get them, but I like them. Yeah, I mean, they taste okay. Oh, they're cool. But I made the mistake of early on in the internet of seeing a video of how they're made. Nope, and... nope. Never watch how the yep. sausage is made at it. Nope. It ruins everything. Uh, also in 1983, Giovanni Villotto goes on trial for multiple counts of bigamy involving 105 women who would marry them, take their belongings, abandon them, and then sell their stuff at flea markets. Wow, that's complicated. Yeah. Uh, but he did this 105 times. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess it's quantity, not quality with him. <laughs> Get them flea markets. August 12th, it was the release of Cujo. Oof. Oof. Yeah, it uh, grossed Oof. about $21 million domestically. It was not a huge movie. Yeah. Uh, it was the fourth highest grossing horror film of 1983. Behind Jaws 3D, Ugh. Psycho 2, Ugh. and Twilight Zone the movie. Wow, the bunch of winners right there. Yeah, Twilight Zone had some uh, neat parts in it, but... I actually that... don't mind Psycho 2. Like... With Olivia Hussey as, yeah. as uh, yeah. Norman Bates' mother. <laughs> Norman, <laughs> it was, Norman. It was fine, but it was it, it was the realization that it came out in 83. Mm-hmm. I thought it came out sooner than that. No? Like, uh, I, yeah, I thought, I thought like it. It, was, it was like 70s, but no, it was, yeah. it was 83. Old... Uh, Old Tony Perkins and I rode the old <laughs> psycho train for the eighties. So he did many. like four or five of those. There are four, four of them, yeah. He was in them all, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he didn't did Henry them. Thomas play the young uh, uh Norman Bates? I think it was in Psycho Four. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then they have the Bates Motel right. and all that. But we'll save it yeah, for the Psycho was, show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is about Cujo. I love, Psycho is my favorite movie of oh, all time. Oh, yeah. Amazing favorite movie. movie. Good Lord. So I, I give the sequels passes just because, you know. Well, I mean, come on. Jaws is one of my favorite movies in yeah. the world. I don't give those <laughs> POS's passes. Come on. Quality, quality. So <clears throat> where did Cujo start? In the mind of the greatest author in the absolute universe. Stephen King. Yes. Uh, full disclosure, Adam and I are Stephen King super fans. Huge, huge nerds for Stephen King. Yeah, I've read every single book of his at least once, except for the, I'm in the middle of uh, If It Bleeds. So I haven't finished that one yet. And so. actually, uh, Billy Summers is coming today. Oh, is it? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So his newest book, uh, which nice. is released today. Uh, well, today, not being today, you're not that was on August 13th. I'm so excited. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah coming out today. Uh, so the book was released September 8th, 1981. Uh, King claims that he took his motorcycle to an auto shop near Bridgeton, Maine, and saw the biggest St. Bernard he'd ever seen that tried to attack him. Yeah, I watched him tell this story, and he said he had uh, he tried to tinker with it himself, yeah. but he had a friend that said, oh, this guy's great with small engines, and he's way out there, and he's a little... He's a little out there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's as portrayed very well in the movie by Ed Lauder. Uh, uh, kind of weird. One of my favorite but characters. Not, yeah, he's great. We'll get to him. Uh, so there was also a child that was recently attacked uh, by a St. Bernard in Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine in the early 80s, uh, late 70s. Do you know why? I mean, no, it's very no. rare. This was just a, a thing that he's, he's mentioned in interviews right. that this is part of the reason where he got the idea. Mm-hmm. Now... It's weird because St. Bernards are known to be very gentle. Yes. And They're bred as rest friendly. Dogs, yes. Yeah, yeah. They literally are used to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Stephen King might not actually remember because at the time he was struggling with substance abuse and of an yeah. insane amount. Yeah. He was drinking a case of tall boys a night. Good God. It's a, it's, it's a wonder he wasn't 800 pounds. It's a wonder he didn't die. I mean, yeah. honestly, because yeah. between that and then the cocaine, yeah. like, it was just... Well, maybe it balanced itself out, I, you know. My grandmother drank a lot of beer, and uh, her doctor said she had the kidneys of, a like, a 30-year-old. What? Because the beer somehow is very cleansing for the... Weird. The kidneys, yeah. Wow, okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to drink more so, beer, I yeah. guess. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm not a doctor. Switch away. This was a, a while ago, <laughs> so medicine may have changed, well, but uh, but she did have very healthy kids. Uh, I read about it on the YouTube. Kidneys. So it's <laughs> kids, kidneys. And kids. My mom's very healthy. The, the interesting thing about Stephen King is that he fully admits uh, in his book on writing, which is a fantastic uh, treatise on, on how to write. Anybody who's an aspiring writer or a writer, read that book. Inspirational. Because, yeah. Well, not even inspirational, it's, just educational. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's like it'd be like sitting down having a beer with him. And, and taking a class with taking him class, at the yeah. same time. Uh, but because of his bad drinking, he literally does not remember writing the book. Uh, well, this is one yeah. of the one of the couple that he admits that he's like. Yeah. Tommy Knockers was another one. It was yeah. it was a time. Tommy Knockers was definitely cocaine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a time that he was like, look, I. It, when he talks about it now, he's like, I survived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I got through it. Yeah. He's, it's surprising to him that he didn't lose his kids. He didn't lose his wife. Yeah, he got lucky. Uh, he got very lucky. Um, he never stopped writing the whole time. Mm-mm. He it's could a compulsion not with stop him. writing, but it's crazy because he admits that he he was like, you know, I wish I did remember because there's parts of the books he really likes, yeah, and yeah. he's like, I wish I did because it's it's like not remembering a kid. Sure, know? sure. Yeah. Uh, I started uh, rereading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, full disclosure: I'm old and I got like ten pages in, and then fell asleep. <laughs> I can't read anymore without falling asleep. Doesn't matter when I do it. But anyway, I read a little bit of it, and it. It's a little, 
even for him, it's a little flowery. You know. That's oh a, yeah. There's you can tell it's not it's not a, in any way a bad book. I really enjoy right, the book, right. but in terms of his oeuvre, it's there's a little more pomp than. The normal, you right? Know? Right. He, he, you could tell he's like falling in love. He's coke loving his work. No, this is really. Oh yeah, this word we got to put in. Yeah, you know, let me get you the source for this. But uh, <laughs> but but there's so much in the book that wasn't in the movie. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In, 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 we'll get to that. He actually wrote the original uh, uh, screenplay for the book, and uh, it, it ended up being so different from the book that the producers were like, "Yeah, we're gonna have somebody rewrite this." That was about a cat. <laughs> they ended up making into cat's eyes. Cat Joe. Yeah, <laughs> Cat Joe. <laughs> Although uh, King did own a shitty Ford Pinto uh, as depicted in the movie nice. uh, and the book. Oh, and just to get back to his, mm-hmm. uh, the impetus of this, mm-hmm. when he went up there to get his motorcycle checked out, there was a crazy old coot you oh, know, yeah, who worked yeah. on the engines and he did have this giant well, as King said, St. Bernard that came... I mean, they're, they're big dogs. Yes, I, yeah. yes, exactly. <laughs> but the way he described it was like a bear, uh, which, sure, they're like little bears. Yeah, sweet little bears. Sure. <laughs> uh, but it came trotting out, and he heard... You know, he heard the... Yeah. Growl, and, uh, and the guy comes out, and he says, Oh, don't worry, he loves people. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then he went down on the dog went down on his haunches you know he's about to launch oh, and then no. the guy was carrying this socket wrench no. and he thumped the dog with the socket wrench and then the dog like laid down he's like ah he must not like your looks and then you know king says oh. oh, i don't maybe i don't like his either but it's still it's like maybe he doesn't like getting hit in yeah, the back exactly this dog is probably abused so you can't you know and plus again this all could have been in his mind <laughs> that's true <laughs> who knows i it could be that it didn't happen at all and he just you know well, just think about that you have a run-in with a, a mechanic and his dog, and then you write a whole book about it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. A brilliant book. Absolutely brilliant. It, the novel sold really well. Uh, it was stayed high on the bestseller list for a long time. It actually was nominated for a couple of awards. Which ones? Uh, the Locus Award uh, for Best Fantasy Novel and the Balrog Award uh, for Best Novel. And it did actually win the August Derleth Fantasy Award, mm-hmm. which is a British fantasy award for Best Novel. Now, if you're all confused because you just saw the movie and you didn't read the book, there's a lot of fantasy elements in the book. That's why it keeps yes. winning fantasy awards. It's got yes. a much more supernatural tone yes. in the book. Yes. And it also uh, ties in with other books in the in the King universe, yes. the Kingverse, yes, the Kingverse, which, uh, which he, which I, he does, and that's this is what he does. He writes what he knows, and his he knows his own inside of his brain, and inside of his brain is everyone knows each other, and he rewards his fans with having his books are almost a complete work mm-hmm. if you read them. There's so much interconnectivity and so many characters yeah. that jump within, especially within the uh, Dark Tower. Yeah, uh, series which kind of ties it, which ties it's yeah, it's basically the the center of the king king verse, and everything kind of branches out from that on the beams, dear <laughs> readers. But uh, but Cujo uh, has a as a direct link to another book, The Dead Zone. Yes, yes, it was uh, he he originally in the book. Uh, spoiler alert: He essentially implies that Frank Dodd, the serial killer from The Dead Zone, yes. Who was a cop? Yes. Who was a serial killer? Uh, mm-hmm. And and dies at the end of it. He inhabits the dog essentially. Yes. Um, well, he's kind of the, the middle character of the book, Frank Dodd. Yeah. Because the yeah. main character is the politician, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Frank 
it was a serial killer that that it was for a years, yeah. yeah, preyed on women and and children in Castle Rock, which was the big thing. It was right. a lot of his novels were set in Castle yes. Rock. Castle Rock is a made up main city that uh, Needful Things takes place. Cujo, uh, the body, the dark half, the body, which is Pet uh, Cemetery, which is kind right. of outside of Castle Rock. Yeah, but the body is uh, uh, which becomes uh, Stand, Stand by, by Me. Yeah. 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 Uh, but he's also uh, mentioned – yeah, so it's mentioned in a bunch of other books, the whole Frank Dodd uh, dead zone thing. Uh, they couldn't – when they finally made the movie, they couldn't – Louis Teague, who directed it, was like, we tried so hard yeah. to include the supernatural yeah. stuff, and it just seemed hokey. They didn't have the budget for it. Or so, the effects at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, eh, let's just leave it out. Strip it all out. Strip it bare. But, the, yeah, there was some really good stuff. The, the kid – his boogeyman at the beginning is Frank Dodd. The kid's four years old in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some great chapters in the book from the dog's point of view. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's if you haven't read that book, it's a very underrated Stephen King book. And, and I think a lot of people dismiss it because, oh, Cujo. Or they dismiss the it's movie, a, yeah. too, which is... We just watched it again, and it's pretty damn good, man. Do not dismiss this movie. No. I was surprised by yeah. how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, same. And how... Absolutely frightening it is. Oh, man. The kid, man. Uh, Danny Pintaro? Pintaro. Pintaro? Yeah. And D. Wallace, stone, oh, baby. Stone so cold acting. Yeah. So oh, my God. Uh, yeah, they, they were great. I The weird thing is that the book, uh, and I'm guessing it's because it was about a dog hurting people. Yeah. But during the 90s, it was the 49th most banned book. Right. Book. Well, I mean, the ending was very controversial, too. Yes. Yes, which we will get to. And get also, to honestly, man, the 80s was all about satanic panic and anything with yeah. that kind of, like, supernatural. He was... King was a huge target back then because his yeah. books were, you know, meant to be the impetus for all of these satanic kids and you know well he was super popular like i mean he was the best-selling author for the 80s and like and it and it was easy to be the target it was easy for to say well he wrote a a book about a satanic dog so obviously he's evil right but it was also trying to protect the children from anything non-biblical or anything that they portrayed as satanic it was everywhere it was on all the talk i mean it was just it was insane we'll we'll uh the stepdads will be talking about that <laughs> at some point, probably Definitely. this month. Yeah, yes, probably the end of this month. Uh, so, a, a production company buys the rights because uh, obviously everything that Stephen King makes now gets bought up uh, immediately. Well, sure. Even back then, he it, you, you had Carrie, you yeah. had The Shining already, and then yeah. Firestarter. Yeah, had already come Firestarter, out. Firestarter. Yeah, yeah. I don't had the movie come out. I don't think more? the movie had come out yet, hmm. and that wasn't a big hit. But but again, I mean, everything that he. Wrote was automatically bought up even before it yeah, was it didn't, published. Carrie, Carrie was the first thing. I mean, he he fully admits that uh, he didn't feel like he made it until he got paid the four hundred thousand dollars for the rights to Carrie to for De Palma to make Carrie. Yeah, and and it's and it's. I mean, after that, it was like, okay, well, no matter what he does, it's popular. Sure, and people will want to see it. Right, uh, it, it's easy to do. Uh, so they asked him to write the script, and he did, and he. Maybe because he didn't remember writing it, <laughs> but, but he did, wrote a completely different movie, and they it strayed just too far, and yeah. so they were like, okay, we're going to bring on uh, some other writers uh, to do this, because Dan Blatt, one of the producers, um, he brought on Don Carlos Dunaway, Ooh. who essentially did a completely different draft and made it essentially following the exact novel. Uh, the problem was that the, the, the adaptation was too faithful, and, uh, it, and it was... Uh, Way too long. The movie would have been like four hours long. So it's a long time to watch a dog torture a yeah, child yeah, and a yeah. mother. 
so it, it, it essentially they then brought in Lauren Courier, uh, who is also known as Barbara Turner. Ooh. Uh, Barbara Turner was married to Vic Morrow during the early 60s ah. and is the mother of Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, but uh, Lauren Courier, a.k.a. Barbara Turner, did cut down the script for Cujo down to a manageable length, and uh, that's the script they end up using. Nice. Stephen King, specifically when they picked up – the production company picked up and Dan Blatt picked up the movie, he wanted Louis Teague to direct the film. Yeah. Uh, he really liked Louis Teague's horror spoof Alligator, which was had come out the year before. John Sayles, right? Movies, John like Sayles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For, our, for the avid listeners, John Sayles, Dark Skies. <laughs> Every movie from E.T. to Gremlins to yeah. Goonies to Bloonies was made from Dark Skies. <laughs> so – King lobbied for Louis Teague, uh, and Louis Teague's great. He's a really nice guy. If you see any interviews with him, he's just he just loves making movies. He dropped out of high school like just to make movies. Like he he's a fascinating guy. Oh yeah. Uh, but the studio or the production company wanted a different. They want to go with something more experienced. So they went with Peter Medek. Oh, uh, Petey. He directed the horror movies The Changeling and The Babysitter in 1980. They both came out in 1980. And also I, Zorro the Gay Blade. Oh, Zorro the Gay Blade. With uh, George, <laughs> George Hamilton. Hamilton. That's right. That's right. Which uh, was such a bizarre movie. It's a very funny yeah. movie. Yeah. But I think George Hamilton plays twins, <laughs> Zorro and Bloro. I don't know. <laughs> and one of the twins is very effeminate and like – the real Zorro gets hurt or killed or something, oh, and so his brother has to take over, and it's very... How bizarre. Yeah, it's a very... It's like a two-hour just stereotype. But <laughs> but George Hamilton's very, very funny and very uh, charming guy. And it's worth a look just to see a peek at, at what, what was called comedy <laughs> back the in the 80s. back yeah. then. <laughs> So they go to shoot uh, two days into the filming. Uh, they, actually, what happened was a production company uh, sold the rights to it even before they started shooting it and ended up getting picked up by Warner Bros. Distribution who oh. ended up f- finishing the financing for it. So two days into shooting, the new production company, Warner Brothers and this uh, smaller production company, they wanted to change all these things, and Peter Medek said nope, and two days into shooting, he quit. Oh, wow. What and, did they want to change? Was it just um, budgetary? Y- yeah, I think they. I think he wanted more money, and and they. I, a lot of it, I think, had to do with the supernatural stuff. Like, right. uh, he wanted more money for that, and mm-hmm. they were like, we're not going to give you more money for this, this uh-huh. dog movie. Why are you, you know? Again, just like <laughs> if you listen to the Jaws episode, when the executive says, well, can we just get a great yeah. white shark? train it these guys are evil we can just yeah. put a guy in a, in a, a sheet they're dream the crushers they're dream crushers yeah lizard uh, people but the dp actually went with him uh I, I don't know if peter medek convinced him to go but he quit with him as well uh but if they hadn't the movie would not be what it is now right because they end up getting uh, Louis Teague mm-hmm. to direct it. Louis Teague directed Alligator. It was literally the only feature he directed before really? this was Alligator. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And then, But he also, in the King oeuvre, did Cat's Eye, which oh, was the yes. King short yes. story with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. So Dan Blatt reached out to Louis Teague and said, hey, come do the movie. King was really happy. Cool. Uh, yeah. Especially after all – King was so upset. He was about... like, wait, we're making a movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. He was upset about The Shining. He – Oh. He was so he yeah. took a heavier hand in his movies mm-hmm. because of the Shining, yeah. which he now can see as its own yes art. You know, he enjoys the Shining for what it is, but as a young writer, I get it, man. Because the Shining, if you've read the book, is completely different yeah. than the movie. There's so Very. much 
uh, taken out of it. The whole boiler yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it, not. Yeah. It's, it's it is Kubrick's version of that tale, right? And 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 King was pissed off about it and, and hated he's made it. his peace, I mean, but he yeah, for yeah, years yeah. loathed that. But because of that, he he did take a heavier hand in his movies. Sure. Like, I mean, granted, I don't think he had like contractually or anything, but no, like, but it's also Stephen King, so it's like you know they're gonna listen if you're. Ride an old kooky alky trail. You're also going to be a little bit demanding and kind of an a hole. You know, yeah, it's yeah. it 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 amplifies you. And if if not you're the great a, parts of you, exactly. Yeah. And you know, I think he was probably you know like, hey, look, hey, I'm going to have control of this. Okay, you see what it is shining? See what it is shining? Let me just tell you. Okay, uh, let me look at my notes. I have some notes. Um, okay, Stanley Kubrick. So yeah, yeah, I get, yeah. you know. But that leads to things like Maximum Overdrive. Yes. <laughs> Which oh. eventually we will do a Maximum oh, Overdrive you bet episode. but. Because, man. Whew. Uh, but the, night, the greatest thing is that, so Louis Teague, Dan Black called Louis Teague and said, I will give you one day to prep and then we're going to start shooting. Good again. Lord. And Louis Teague was like, can I have two? And Dan Black was like, all right. Fine, two. Two what? days to prep a feature film. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, so, of course, Teague kept most of it. Uh, things like the casting, which we'll talk about in a second. Sure. And they still but, had loca- – it's not like they were starting from yeah, scratch. Yeah, but it, was, but it was conceptual stuff. And, mm-hmm. and that was when he decided that, like, we got to cut all the supernatural things. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's implied at the beginning with when Danny Pintaro is looking in the closet. Sure. And, the, and the running into the bed and stuff. Like, you get enough of it that it's like, okay, I don't need to see the creepy eyes. I don't need to see, you know, Well, whatever. because it's more of the true – I mean, I remember being a little kid. Yeah. And you just – Turn the lights no, out, yeah, and you yeah. launch yourself from you, the doorway under the bed because you don't want anything grabbing you yes. from under the bed. Yeah, you're safe under the covers, man. I lived safe under the covers, <laughs> you know. And that shot, that shot of him turning off the light, yeah. it's done so well. Yeah. And Danny Pintaro for being like six, yeah. is such a good actor. Well, this, yeah, he but, was amazing. But he, the the this hesitancy of like mm-hmm. prepping to do it and then doesn't, and yeah. then he finally does it, and the camera, the way that it follows him and then turns upside down. Was absolutely brilliant, and because they got one of the best DPs in the business, Louis Teague, fully admits the only way they could have done that is because he pulled on Jan de Bont. Jan de Bont, or as my friend in film school used to call him, Jan de Bont. Jan de Bont. Best. He was from Boston, my friend. Jan de Bont. A great cinematographer. He actually uh, amazing lends jewel and Isle for Louis Teague yep. later, but he directed Speed. Yeah, and uh, Twister, and yeah. And in my like opinion, that. a much better cinematographer than yes. a director. Yes. Uh, Still a great his, – his directing is very – a lot of times when cinematographers become directors, they take the proficiency with them, right. and they do beautifully shot films. Yes, yes. Because that's their gig. But a, but it's rare that you get a DP that is – that connects with the actors the way – Right, that a, an actual some director does. Do. Yeah, yeah. A more acting director than, than a exactly. technical director. Yeah, yeah. because it's, to them it doesn't matter. It's what it looks like. You know what I mean? Jan de Bont got a little full of himself because he yeah. <laughs> Speed was did really well, but then they decided to do Speed Two, and he actually wrote the story uh, for Speed Two and directed it. Speed Two Electric when, Boogaloo. <laughs> that was when everyone was like, <laughs> "Jan, you should just stick to the cameraman. <laughs> Stay in your lane, baby. Stay in your lane." There were some other great shots Jan de Bont did, like the whole um, the 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 circling in the car sure. after uh, D Wallace gets attacked oh, by yeah. the dog. It's so like, it's so good. Even the beginning with the rabbit running around mm-hmm. and the dog. It's so funny. We did Benji last week, and <laughs> the beginning of Cujo is very Benji. You know, it's, it's so. The music, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's a bunny, and then burp, 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 here comes big old doofy Cujo. I won't play with the bunny. And then hop, hop, hop. 
And so, beep, 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 beep. and then Bunny goes in Bunny Hole, and Cujo Head go in Bunny Hole, and just like everything in the world, bats ruin it. When I was writing the script, <laughs> I uh, I had the movie going in the background. Script for Cujo? Uh, no, for the for the uh, episode. Okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Phoebe came in, and Phoebe loves dogs, and she refused to watch this with us because she doesn't want to see Adam's girlfriend. For those who don't, she does know. not want to see a dog be attacking people or a dog getting hurt. Same and, with my sis. And she came in. During the sequence at the beginning with the bunny, and she's like, "Oh, the big dog!" Aww. And then the dog gets bit, and she's like, "She looks me dead in the eyes, like this is the bad movie, isn't it?" And then leave. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, sorry." Yeah, there's a lot of people that can't. They can watch a million people get blown to bits. Yeah, watch a guy get chunks blown yeah. off of him. Yeah. but you hurt an animal, especially a dog. It's outrage, baby. Oh, hundred percent. Boycott time. And how but this dare is, you, good boy. The brilliance of Lewis, Lewis Teague is that. You never actually see Cujo get hurt in the movie, right? Beyond the the bite on the nose, yeah. Uh, but you never every every time the dog gets hurt or whatever, you cut away. It's yeah. always a shot of the actor, yeah. Which was brilliant because I nobody wants to see a dog no. getting hurt. No, but he also did a good job of transforming Cujo, and it's not Cujo's yeah. fault. Cujo gets rabies, babies, yeah. and rabies, yeah. Oof, changes you. Yeah, I got rabies. Oh, yeah. And I've never been the same. No, I never got rabies. <laughs> but seriously, rabies is no joke. I would like to see you know, a version of Cujo, of course, that is more faithful to the book. I think they yeah. could make it now something sure. that, that with is more supernatural. Yeah, it's interesting stuff, yeah. with the right director. But I think stripping everything out and just making it a, a story about survival, it's basically Jaws in a car or Alien in a car, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it. But but the the what makes this movie so harrowing? Like I was like, clutching my chest like a southern woman. <laughs> Must Oz, because I was just so worried, and it's so tense, yeah. it's so well shot. A testament to the director and a testament to Jan de Bont, yeah. because yeah. it's really hard to shoot effective attack scenes. Yes, and especially when in. in uh, we haven't gotten into this yet, but because St. Bernard's are so sweet, yeah. they couldn't use a St. Bernard for the attack scenes. Yeah, yeah. If you really look closely, the reaction shots of Cujo are definitely St. Bernard. His little face is like, whoa, stuff all over me. What you, <laughs> why you, well, I want to get pet. And then you cut, and they used, I think, a Labrador. There was a, uh, yeah, it was a Lab Great Dane yeah. mix. Yeah, a black Lab, lab Great Dane mix, they, which is huge. Yeah. And, and they had a, a St. Bernard they costume. Cujo suit on him. <laughs> Cujo suit, exactly. <laughs> and you, because you can really, you can tell if you look closely, but it's done in such a way that you can, at the same time, be horrified and sympathetic to the dog, which yes. I think is brilliant. There's there's definitely sequences. After they get stuck in the car, there's times when they just show the dog, when they show Cujo just laying there. Yeah. And he's not being mean, he's not no. being aggressive, and he looks more like himself. Yeah. And but, it's uh, so heartbreaking because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you can almost see it. And it goes back to the novel and, and the stuff from his point of view, but you can almost see him just being like sad that he has to do this. What is heartbreaking is watching his transformation after he gets bit. And he's tor- one of the uh, symptoms of rabies is is the sound yeah. is grating. Yeah. It, it's like a uh, it grinds your brain. And you can see the pain that Cujo is going through yeah. as, as this disease takes hold of him. And you can see how... He doesn't want to kill the kid. His his little kid is yeah, looking yeah. for him. He's like, Cujo, Cujo. And Cujo yeah, comes out. Yeah. But he's, there's a last little bit of Cujo in there, and he's like, I, I, I'm not killing yeah. my boy. Yeah, yeah. I'll kill his dad and every other <laughs> MFR in this town, but I will not kill that boy. 
No, no, no. But it's was, heartbreaking. It's literally, it's, it's so heartbreaking. It's sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Uh, but, but so well done. Exactly. So well yeah. done. I, again, I had not seen this movie Same. since I was a young teenager. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was college last time I saw it. And I am blown away at just how effective this movie and is. For this weird little dog movie yeah. that it's like it, it shouldn't be this good. No, it shouldn't. But it's a testament. It's a testimony to the acting yeah. of D. Wallace Stone. Yes. Danny. I mean, the shot of Danny in his underwear smashed up against the oh back of the car while his mom's oh being attacked. God, He's screeching like a demon. That shot is so horrifying. That whole sequence, is, yeah. it goes on for so long. Well, so <laughs> which we're just like, and then you remember this part? But it wasn't shot in Maine. It no. was shot in Northern no. California, and unfortunately, it was not shot during the summer. No, it was shot in the winter. It was shot in the winter where it gets down to maybe 40, 30 degrees. Yeah, yeah. And if you've seen the movie, it's supposed to be in the hundies. Yeah, it's supposed to be dead of Maine. Yeah. Like, bad man, it's a man summer. summer which yeah. is uh, humid and hot. <laughs> so they had little Danny in his underpanty, yeah. and they had the mom you know, which, in like yeah. a, a tank like top an, or yeah, something. Yeah, tank top. And, and they're spraying him with water to make him look sweaty, and, and they were – Freezing to death. Yeah, it, they it were was so cold. It was not safe. D. Wallace was so concerned about Danny Pintaro and and him getting hurt. And I, by his own admission, he was just like, I just had fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it was like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but she was so concerned. Sure. D. Wallace is one of the greatest, nicest people oh, that yeah. I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like she just loved. She loved this movie. At that time, there were not a lot of meaty female yes. lead roles that weren't the wife or the damsel in distress or would not pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh this was just a tour de force. Yeah. Yeah. She kicked ass. This is like she alien. Was, this is oh, like yeah. Ripley for her. You yes, know? This, yes. This was her Ripley. So good. Uh and it did I mean it still does include like the weird affair storyline and all that stuff. Sure. Um, but but she is so good. Even a MacGuffin, baby. I, yes, that's true. That is true. <laughs> got to is... throw. And also a way to get the husband there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who? The husband was played by Daniel Hugh Kelly. Hardcastle and McCormick. Hardcastle and McCormick. A very well-known Broadway actor, although he did a lot of TV, did a lot of movies, but his real love was Broadway. When I was in school in Boston, I was lucky enough to see uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof Ooh. with... Him. Daniel Hugh Kelly. Mr. Daniel Hugh Kelly. Daniel Hugh Kelly. Daniel Hugh Kelly. Jessica Lang and Charles Durning. Oh, it, man. It was amazing. And originally in the production, I think Kathleen Turner, Turner. was playing yeah. the part. But the when I saw it, was Jessica Lang, And I was so oh. blown away. She is an amazing actress. And that's yeah. when I first was like, okay, she's got her. She's, she's in. And same with David Hugh Kelly. I mean, he was an amazing oh, stage yeah. actor. Yeah. And it's a complex part. In Cujo... He doesn't really matter. No, no. <laughs> like he's, it's just kind of there, and it does. I mean, it, it matters for for D. Wallace and her character, and 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 the kid, and and that storyline. You know, it is that kind of MacGuffin of sure. like, oh, what's going on with him? But like, because they think she's having an affair, and <laughs> with this oh really God. weird, irrational guy that apparently came into their house and ripped it apart because he was well, mad he that was, she was ending the affair. But were they, he was friends, like Hugh Kelly, oh, yeah, David, Daniel Hugh yeah. Kelly, they were, they were friends, He was right? the handyman yeah. at their place. But they, yeah. yeah, and she was having an affair with him and, and God, when he tried to leave, it was creepy. Yeah. It was creepy. She was like, okay, we're done and then he just got violent and mm-hmm. like, oh, it was crazy. The irony is that 
uh, that character, uh, Steve Kemp, the handyman, was yep. played by her husband. Yeah, Christopher Stone. Stone. Yeah, Christopher Stone, uh, who unfortunately passed from a heart attack in 1995. Yeah, uh, very sad. But they had been in The Howling together, and I think that's where they met, and mm-hmm. they got married. Good werewolf um, movie. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, but and, what's great about what you were saying about mm-hmm. David U. Kelly is he's not the savior. She saves herself yes. and the kid. Yes. She does it all, and then he shows up at the end to yeah. grab her collapsed, exhausted <laughs> Literally body. takes the kid and credits. <laughs> yeah, because she's just, there's nothing left. She's, she's got yeah. the rabes because she got uh, Yeah, it. she needs to go get the she, shot. They got to get her to the damn hospital because I think you have 36 hours or something. 72 hours. 72? 72 hours. If you don't get it corrected within 72 hours, there's no going back. And my God, I don't know if it's the same as it used to be, but it used to be you would put your hand on your stomach and they would give you five of these Horrible oh. shots in your gut. Oh, super painful, super off. I mean, it, I mean, it's beats rabies, but yeah, yeah. I know, remember not... growing up in the mid 80s and like it being, a, and part of it was probably from Cujo, but yeah. it being a big deal of like, you gotta stay away from these dogs. Well, you don't know if they have rabies. It wasn't just dogs. We, we, we played outside mm-hmm. as kids. So there what? were, animals, what's that? Yeah, I don't know what that is. There were little squirrels and rabbits and, <laughs> We would catch snakes and lizards and stuff, so the parents yeah. would have to be, look, you know, if, a, if an animal comes up to you, if a squirrel wants to play or something, don't. run away, because yeah, that don't. thing's probably got rabies. I remember there was this one time I was outside, and, and my, my two friends and I are walking up this trail, and, and we see a snake, and it's a coiling. And we're like, oh, no, it's a rattlesnake. It's a rattlesnake, and we're getting scared. And so what we were taught was when you see a rattlesnake, freeze. Don't move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's... It, doesn't see you it senses you and it yeah. senses movement so somebody sees this frozen from like two houses away and they're like what are you doing <laughs> and we're like there's a rattlesnake get my dad and so we're sitting there and my stepdad like 10 minutes later comes huffing down <laughs> the dirt road with a rifle oh god and i shit you not <laughs> full stride Takes aim while running, blows the head off of that snake wow. into the bushes, <laughs> comes running up, looks at the snake, and says, God damn it. And he picks the snake corpse up, and he's like, this isn't a goddamn rattlesnake. This is a blip, blip, blip snake. He's like, come on. And he takes my friends and I, he was probably drinking, who knows, throws us in the truck Takes us to the bookstore, buys us a book about snakes, <laughs> takes us back, and and forces us to read this book about snakes until we go out and play again because he was so pissed that he he, d- he killed want... he didn't he killed a good snake and because he didn't want to be bothered he didn't want to be taken out yes. of yes was you annoyed me for this but it was so impressive <laughs> I mean it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen it That's was crazy. like such a miracle shot because this snake wasn't huge or anything right, it was right. just I I will never forget. Just the look, you know, just the <laughs> the image of him down. trucking down, and he wasn't a running guy either. You know, <laughs> it was it was impressive, but yeah, we did. I didn't have to. The only thing I ever deal with in Iowa was garter snakes, so there was yeah. nothing, whatever. Uh, I did have once a dog come up to me, uh, and and it was a stray. I was sitting on the front porch, and a dog came up and bit my hand. And Ooh. the only way I could get that dog to let go of me is I had to jam my hand down its throat. Oh my god. Yeah, it was awful. Did uh, you get rabies? No, I did not get rabies. The dog was just an asshole. <laughs> but uh but it was it was it was bad. 
Like I was oh, just yeah. kind of like, bah! and it and it was like, bah! and then took off. And nothing happened, right? You didn't go to the hospital, or no, no. 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 I my mom looked at. It. I think she wrapped it up, and I was like, <laughs> washed it, it off. Was fine. Well, she, I, I'm sure they probably paid attention to see if I had rabies or something. But I think it was like a neighbor's dog. Sure, you know. The last piece of the casting that I want to talk about mm-hmm. is Ed Lauder. Oh, Ed Lauder. Somebody who everybody knows that they don't know his name. Yes. He has probably been in everything. Yeah. One of the greatest character actors. So diverse. That, plays an a So many. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good. In fact, he has a quote. He says, a lot of people say, I know you, but they don't know my name, but I've had a great run. Oh, my God. He started with Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah. He was, this was the thing, is that he, he was in Family Plot, Hitchcock's last movie. Yeah. Uh, which is a great movie, and at some point we'll do an episode about yeah. it. It's, I shouldn't say great movie. It's a good movie. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. In his oeuvre, it's down in... Uh, he was also in his late 70s. And yeah. like, he got weird when he... You know. when. I know we'll get to this, but I think Hitchcock was better when he was restrained. Yes. Because once he was able to you know, show nudity or whatever, it was just, there wasn't as, it wasn't his, as clever as his, his weird old, perviness yeah. really came out. Yeah. And he, it, nothing like an old perv. <laughs> <laughs> but Ed Lauder was in that movie and Hitchcock loved him, thought oh, he yeah. was fantastic and said, I'm doing a new movie called the short night. Uh, it was like a spy thriller. And he's like, I want you to be the lead. Uh, one of the leads. Wow. And, and Ed Lauder was like, yes. Dream and, come true. Yeah. And then Hitchcock died. Yep. And, and yeah, that was it. <laughs> yes. And Ed Lauder, unfortunately, I mean, granted, he had a fantastic has a fantastic career. Uh, and it's a lot of, I mean, amazing work. Yeah. I, I, seriously, look up Ed Lauder, L-A-U-T-E-R, and I guarantee you, you'll look at him and go, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, like, he's been I've in everything. He plays coaches. He plays yeah. cops. He plays everything. Scumbags. He yeah. plays good he's guys. so good. So he's good. just got this amazing quality to him. He was also in King Kong with yeah. uh, Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange. Yeah. 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 It was fantastic. So, Carnahan. <laughs> Carnahan. Uh, yeah, so uh, as Jim was saying, the movie was shot in Northern California. Uh, they found a, a city in, in Northern California that looked similar enough to Maine and, like, that kind of uh, feel yeah. of Maine. Uh, Which is woods. <laughs> yeah. And, the, I mean, more, like, the buildings and the houses and stuff yeah. were, were similar to Northeastern. For whatever reason, Northern California has houses that well, look Marin like County, Maine. because yeah. there's a lot of space there, and it's very woodsy, and the yeah. houses look yeah. woodsy. Uh, but, yes, it was very cold. Uh, they sometimes, the, because they shot during October, November, and December of 1982, and sometimes temperatures get down to the low 40s. Yeah. Uh, and they were constantly being... Uh, wetened because they had to look moistened. like moistened <laughs> because they had to look like they were hot and sweaty yeah. mm-hmm. and and uh, D Wallace was just so concerned about Danny Pintaro that eventually she convinced the producers to put a heater in the car oh. which then of course caused problems with the sound sure. so they could only run it when they weren't shooting and right. it was like it was kind of effective but kind of not well it was a little different back then <laughs> if a kid seems fine he's fine they're not going to coddle you know now today yeah. it's there's gotta, no way you could do what you did to him. No, no, I died. No, they would. They there would be. Well, my guess is today they'd probably shoot it on a big dome, three D oh, yeah. green screen or something, and it wouldn't be outside. There'd for be no dog. It'd just be a It'd be green, CG. Yeah, green. There'd be a guy in a green suit <laughs> going. Rup, 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 I'm a dog. I'm a dog. I'm a dog. I'm a dog. <laughs> But Dan, you, you can't see me, but I'm scratching. Danny, Danny Pintaro was great. He, uh, he, he, he was like, I was just interested in literally every job everybody had. Yeah, like he was fascinated yeah. that there was like 
there was an interview I saw where he was like, every day we would come back to the car and there was one person that would put the paw prints back on the windows. Mm -hmm. And he was fascinated yeah. by that because they had to look exactly the way they did yesterday. He and, had a really great run. He was on yeah. Who's the Boss? Yeah, yeah. He he did. Angelo. He kind of went. <laughs> who's the boss? He went from this and he was on uh, Who's the Boss for pretty much until he was in college. Yeah. And then he, he ended up going to college. In fact, the funny thing now is that he doesn't act anymore. Well, he doesn't uh, need to. Doesn't need, well, he doesn't need to. But he's he lived, moved to Austin with his husband. Ooh. And uh, he's now a vet tech. That's awesome. I, which I was like, yes. Nice. That's the perfect circle. <laughs> from Cujo to vet tech. He, it's really funny. It, this is the amazing thing is that seeing. The actors and the director and the people involved in the making of Cujo, everyone has such fond memories of oh, yeah. making this movie. Yeah, I watched a panel with, I think it was Jan DeBont, Teague, D. Wallace, mm -hmm. and they were just glowing about it. And I just want to say one thing about Danny Ventura yeah, sure. real yeah, quick, yeah. is it's so awesome to see a great, talented, young actor that isn't completely screwed up. Yeah, from his career. Yeah, him, uh, him, and Alyssa Milano have a very close relationship, and they she was they a grew huge, up together. Yeah, she was a huge proponent of of protecting him and and making sure that he was okay. And she had rabies <laughs> twice. That's weird. <laughs> so, uh, as Jim said earlier, uh, the the Cujo was played by four different Saint Bernards. It's weird. The dog trainer begged yes. them, begged them to change the breed. Yes, because Saint Bernards are. I don't, not going to say untrainable, but they just there's none that are trained. Right. The way they controlled the St. Bernards on set is that they had a little mouse that they would throw into the car oh. and the dog would go chase it. Oh, and cute. literally the dog would just get the mouse and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. It was like, I got it. All right, I'm good. Let's get it. You know, but they would be so happy yeah. because they're just going to fetch the thing. Sure. And they're their good tails would be wagging. Yeah. They'd literally tie their tails down the fishing line. Right. But they just tell that. Before everybody freaks out, it was just tied to their leg. It wasn't yeah. a painful. No, you no, know, no. It was just so that it didn't look like they were just happy, slobbery. Because dogs. they can't help it. Even with all the goo all <laughs> over him and the pus just pouring out of his eyes, so, I still God. want to give him a big old boop on the nose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Cujo. Uh, so, but beyond the Black Lab Great Dane mix that they used, there was a couple of mechanical dog heads uh, and. They used a stuntman in a dog costume. Really? Now, the time, I think, and I'm not going to say the only time, but the time they used it is when Cujo bangs his head against That's the door. That's what I thought I was going to say, yeah. It, it's the, They cut it to where, the way they set it up is that they opened the doors of the car, and they just had the St. Bernard run through the car, and then they, you know, shot the, the Great Dane mix running and hitting, and then they cut to the guy in the suit <laughs> banging his head against the, the car door. That's oh, brutal. It's a brutal Yeah. Shot. Oh, it's, it's, it, it is. But oh, that's man. the thing. I mean, that, that's like what we were talking about with Jay and DeBant <laughs> <laughs> is uh, he just is a master at framing. Yeah. yeah. And he's also one of the best motion DPs, you know, yeah, to yeah. do moving shots. And like you said, that, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that just spin shot, that disorienting spin shot oh, when everybody's God, dying so of dehydration, good. it's so effective. So good. He's really great at expressing what's happening with the camera. Like, yeah. The camera has emotion. The camera has purpose. And I love, I always hate superfluous movement or stuff that's just done because it looks cool, yeah, like split yeah. diopter shots that you can full on yeah, see yeah, where, yeah. you know, where the cut is. But if you're doing it for a reason, there's nothing better. Then purposeful shots. Yeah. I'm always just like, oh man, I wish that, I of that. That that circle sequence is just one of the greatest shots yeah. I've ever seen. I mean, because it it, 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 
invokes so much emotion coming mm-hmm. into it and like and you know exactly how she's feeling it's fantastic yeah uh now bad. that she's feeling bad <laughs> she was literally attacked by a dog she's feeling bad i don't know if it was a saint bernard or the great dane that did this but there are certain sequences where they the production company deemed it too too much for their insurance that they couldn't have d wallace be in some of the shots so oh. they had a stunt woman do it mm. just in case something were to happen they didn't want the actor to get hurt so Jean Coulter was a stunt woman, uh, and she was uh, standing in for uh, D. Wallace. And there was a sequence in the car where they essentially trained the dog that whenever she would lunge forward, the dog would lunge forward too. So they would meet. Oh. They did it in the first shot. And Jean Coulter was so excited, she lunged forward to say, hey. And the dog bit off part of her nose. Oh, my God. Oh. Oof. Literally, bit, and she fully admits that she's like, it was my fault. I totally did it. They rushed her to the hospital. They reattached the end of her nose. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Short-lived celebration. <laughs> yeah. Ah! The, the thing is, this is not the first time that Jean Coulter was hurt. She was on Jaws 2, and there was a flare gun mishap, which caught her wig on fire and burned off her eyebrows and eyelashes. Good Lord. Good, good. You want to see a fun movie about what it's like to be a stuntman? Not a documentary or anything, but watch Hooper. Hooper, Mr. Burt Reynolds, and <laughs> it's a. It, it just shows the, the lengths you have to go sometimes. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. If your body's broken, it doesn't matter. You got to get the shot. So there is a, a a very good line in the movie uh, by D. Wallace, and one of the the best acting things I've ever seen. Where um, poor little Danny Pintaro is just freaking out, screaming about wanting his daddy and how he needs daddy and he needs daddy. And, yeah. And D. Wallace just finally yells out, "All right, I'll get your daddy!" And then it cuts, and like it is. The most honest, yeah. most real moment I have seen in, oh, a, in yeah, a movie in a yeah. long time. And his reaction too. And, and it was, it was uh, the producers wanted to cut it because they thought it was going to make her unlikable. And she was like, "Yeah, no, literally everyone is going to identify with this. Every mother is. Yeah, every mother know? has been at that point where it's like, I literally can't do anything. Yeah, and if what you, am I supposed to do? <laughs> come on, I mean, if you're going to have a situation that's filled with pressure." <laughs> getting attacked by a rabid St. Bernard, I would probably lose my temper a little bit. You yeah. Know, he was very, uh, very chubby. Yeah, I would. Yuppie. Yeah, he was a, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 How, he must have just lost his voice every day, the way that kid God, screamed. that kid <laughs> screamed so But he hard. also did like, <laughs> he did that wail that was so sad. That, <laughs> it's so, and it's, it's so, that's just, again, another testament to his acting yeah. because he, he was so happy, <laughs> like in all the behind the scenes stuff. He's just so happy, but man, is that kid just freaking out? There's a great line in the book, and it they also put it in the movie. At the beginning of the book, there's the whole, and it's the beginning of the movie as well. There's the whole, there's something in the closet. Yeah. In the book, it's played where the the dad moves the stuff, but it's moved back, and they're like, "Oh, daddy, mm-hmm. did you move it back?" And he's like, "No," but uh, but in the book, the dad says. There's no such thing as monsters. I think in the book his mom says it. In the movie his dad says, there's no such thing as monsters. And he says, not during the day anyway. And when the kid, when Danny says that at the breakfast table, the look he gives his mom (laughs) is so funny. And she even just like melts at that. And it's it's just, what a great relationship. They they really cast that movie well. Yeah, they really did. They really did. Uh, Dee Wallace gave so much to that movie that after the production was done, she actually was treated for exhaustion and went to the hospital. Oh, yeah. You can't sustain that level of terror. Terrifying. And she just laid it all on the screen. My God. It is one of the best performances of the 80s in in terms of 
of a horror movie at least, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so the movie was released. King loved the movie. Thought that uh, D. Wallace should have been nominated for an Oscar. Agreed. Um, I agree. I agree, especially seeing it again. Uh, he also approved of the new ending. Uh, yeah. So this is spoiler territory, so yeah. just be aware. In the book, <clears throat> she manages to fight off Cujo. Yep. Uh, she gets in the house. She has to shoot the dog. The dog dies. She comes back out, and she finds her son has died in the car. All of that, and he died anyway. Right, which the nihilistic ending is awesome, and it's something that's completely cocaine-based <laughs> because nobody <laughs> without some sort of – it was shocking and awesome when I read it. I was like, oh, my oh, God. Yeah, this yeah. is crazy. They killed the kid. It's in the, it's in the last like, three pages. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's like, oh, yeah. my God. It's devastating, and it just shows the – Futility of life, basically. <laughs> you can fight it's all true. you that want, so true, but it yeah. doesn't matter. You're still, you know, you could still lose, yeah. uh, which I thought was brilliant. A lot of people didn't. Yeah, um, it was very controversial. Yeah, but in a book, yes. yes. In a movie, no. it would have been bad. No. And and there is definitely moments in the movie where she pulls him into the house, and it seems like he's dead. Oh, yeah, at the end, when I, I first saw the movie, I, I was no, yeah. and I was like, oh. They're, they did, kill the, they, they, did they, they did it. They actually killed the kid. I, yeah, yeah. Couldn't believe it. And then, and then he comes back, and, and which was cool because then it was it was a surprise. Yeah, exactly. Which exactly. is great because the end, and I think that's the the greatest thing about changing the ending is those who were fans of the book. We had a surprise, and it was still a satisfying ending. Yeah, because oh, yeah. they yeah. they earned his oh. life through that movie. Yes, she earned saving him. Yes, she fought hard to make sure he stayed alive. Yeah, and if he didn't. Then that movie would have no purpose. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good because uh, the the all the supernatural stuff and the the different things in the book lent to this ending. Right. It, right. it was more. It made more sense. But I think stripping all that stuff out and making this just it was completely a movie about survival. A yeah. mother's a mama bear protecting <laughs> her cub. You know, for two hours. Yeah. And if that cub died, then that movie has no purpose. Yeah. When the movie was released, it received some mixed reviews. Some people hated it. Some people liked it. I personally, I think it was just kind of ahead of its time. Uh, it has definitely grown. Yeah. It's become gained cult status. Uh, it, it, seriously, if you've not watched it in a long time, watch it again. If you've never seen it, watch it. It's, it's one of his a, best adaptations. Yeah. I would yes, put that would with The Mist and the new It movies. Yeah. Uh, Shawshank. Shawshank. Uh, Stand By Me. Stand By Me. Yeah. And it is just a really well done movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had talked about the same company that, that uh, produced it in, in 83. Uh, they were going to do a new adaptation called Cujo, which was an acronym standing uh. for K-9 Unit Joint Operations. What? So so I guess Cujo is a robot? and uh, Which I get it. I get it with all the, uh, the what is it, dynamics that, that are making all Boston those. Boston Dynamics. Boston Dynamics. Yeah, we're yeah. making all those robot dogs and stuff. <laughs> but ugh. But I, mean, I don't. Come on. It, it feels very much to me like Sun Pictures still had the rights to it, and they needed to do something with it. So they announced this. And in grand, this was in 2015, and nothing else has come of it. I'm going to make a controversial blanket <laughs> statement. Every movie that is an anachronism is yeah. crap. Anything that has. You know, that every letter yeah. stands for something. Yeah. I can't remember, you know, Project Bebop. Bad elephants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, they're, they're, it's not good. It is yeah, not good. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's Cujo. A, 
Cujo would have to be made in the past. You would have to keep it in the 80s because if yeah. there was a cell phone, then I guess you could have the cell phone die or whatever. Um, yeah, but that's God, that's used so but much. But I don't think I don't think it would. I, if I okay, if you and I got tasked to remake Cujo, mm-hmm. I would set it in the time that it was written in 1982 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 81, yeah. I guess when it was written, and uh, we would do. A, I would like to do it as like a mini series or something. I I agree. I it's it's hard. It's funny because I was thinking about this. I. Someone had posted uh, on social media somewhere about how, like, it's like, oh, they should just do all the Stephen King movies and miniseries. And, like, yeah. and I was like, okay. But I, having just watched Cujo, now, granted, I haven't read the book in a while. Yeah. But, like, to me, it feels like a very faithful adaptation. And, like, it would be hard for me to be like, can I watch eight hours of this? Can I watch six hours of this? Can I, I think you could hours? if they added in the Dodd stuff. Yeah. And, uh, if it was tied in with, but the I don't think zone, it would need yeah. to be eight hours. I think it would no. be four no. hours yeah. or three. You know, or three it, hours. It should be as long as it needs. to Exactly. Be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, you don't have to jam in stuff that shouldn't be there. But I think it's, I, I think it's worth a remake. I think yeah. I think the movie is great as is. It doesn't. But I, I would like to see an ad- another adaptation, sure. not a remix. Sure. Let's say let's uh, say another, another adaptation. adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Because I still I enjoy the the total cheesy, <laughs> you know, eighties. Mini series of Stephen King, like It and yeah. The Stand. Yeah. I mean, the they're stand. so cheesy, they're but they're so much great, fun. But they're fun, yeah. You know, I, and and Tim Curry was great oh, as Pennywise, so good. But uh, but it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be other adaptations. The, yeah. the, the new It was really great. Yeah. Those two movies, I really enjoyed the new Stand. I know a lot yeah. of people didn't. Same, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was done really well. I just I'm one episode into Lizzie's story, and that's really oh, yes. good. Yes, we are planning on watching that. We're in a very Good time for Stephen King adaptations. We have a, people. Here's the thing: for many, many, many years, people didn't take King seriously. Mm-hmm. He was a schlock horror writer, and he was just a pulp, blick, blick, you yeah, know, a, yeah. buy it in the supermarket piece of crap. But in my opinion, he is one of the greatest American writers, mm-hmm. one of the greatest American storytellers. I put him up there with Twain because his stories are engaging. He cre- he's a world builder. Yeah, and when I read one of his books, and if it's even eight, I'm like, the bigger the better, baby. A thousand pages. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I don't. I love it because I don't want that stuff to end. No, I get yeah. this weird feeling when I get towards the ending of a Stephen King novel. I get sad because I don't want it to end. I love mm-hmm. it so much, and, and sometimes his endings are a little disappointing. But uh, <laughs> but but I'm just kidding because I think I think people uh, give him a bad rap. Yeah, but yeah. but uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I think that the ending of the Dark Tower series is the greatest ending oh, yeah. of any series ever. It, it, it. I'm not going to tell it. I yeah, yeah, spoil no, you should it. read it. You should read it. But anybody who says he can't end a book, the way he ended that series oh, yeah. was 100%. absolutely 100%. brilliant. And I don't think it could have ended any. Stephen other King way. is a fantastic writer. I had a, uh, an English teacher in tenth grade, uh, Mr. Person. Ooh. I'll never forget. He n- d- literally did not read fiction. He read nonfiction, and that was it. He must have been a hoot. He went to England every year. He was stuffy. <laughs> but I will say, was he English? No, no. But I will say <laughs> that when he was teaching us English. He always used Stephen King as a reference because of his description. Oh, yeah. Because his description was so apt yes. and so good. Yeah. I'll never forget. He talked about how there was a, a story. He pulled a passage, and salesman puts his bag down like it's a tired basset hound just flopping down and settling. And like, mm-hmm. it was like he's like, immediately, you know exactly what you're looking yeah. at. And like that is the beauty of Stephen King. Yeah, and also he can create horror 
and suspense like nobody else. Yeah. Because he'll do – one of my favorite tricks that he does is there'll be a chapter and the end of the chapter is, and that was the last time Tom ever took a breath. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? And then it's like 300 pages later, yeah. you find out what <laughs> happened to Tom, you know, and it's just like, oh, man, I, I'm kind of protective of him because I, I love his work so much. There's very few things that I'm like fanboy about. Yeah, yeah. And But he is one of them. Mm-hmm. Because he has been a part of my life since I was way too young to read him. Same. He and J.R.R. Tolkien, mm-hmm. uh, they they were the genesis of my love of fiction, my love of reading, because I loved escaping into those worlds. Mm-hmm. There were just so many bad adaptations. Of, oh, yeah. yeah. Of, you know, Graveyard Shift and... And I even still, Children of the Corn. I still enjoy these, but they're, they're yeah, most yeah. of them were not done as well as they're, they're fun in a crappy, campy way, right. not fun in a creepy, scary way, right. which which I want I am I want to see the real king stuff, which is when in the hands of a good director, in the hands of a good cinematographer, mm-hmm. and in the hands of a great cast, we can get something like Cujo, yeah. which is unsettling and i was again and i'll say it again i was so surprised at how good that movie was yeah well uh we're out of time so uh i appreciate you guys <laughs> listening <laughs> tune in next week for our third <laughs> our scooby-doo episode uh we'll be back next friday thanks for joining <clears throat> take yourself back to 1983 Ooh, want to try that again yep we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Already in progress.